Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to year two of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a refreshing and captivating interview with top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. From Eddie Olchek to Bob Costas, Mike North to Pat Foley, they reveal entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories, some you've never heard before. I'm George Hoffman, and please make sure you subscribe to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is sponsored by Vienna Beef, makers of Chicago's hot dogs since 1893. Find them on the web at viennabeef.com. And by Dynamic Manufacturing, awarded the General Motors Supplier of the Year 23 times. Honored the legacy, pioneer the future. Visit them at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is also sponsored by Serenow Law Group, top-notch pros in reducing your rising real estate taxes. They're on the web at serenow.com by Rawl Jewelers, who offer the very finest of jewelry in Chicago's northwest suburbs since 1982. They're at com, And by the Polina Market, purveyors of the finest meats in the Chicagoland area since 1949. Visit them at polinamarket.com. This season kicks off with a two-part episode featuring an iconic figure in Chicago sports talk radio, Mike North. I just think that the score was the second strongest franchise uh, in Chicago in the '90s after the Bulls. I, I don't think they'll. I don't think there's anything comparable to that. We changed the way business was done in the media, uh, the way teams did business. They were held accountable, which had never been like that before. How does a vendor, city employee, and owner of a hot dog stand make millions as a talk show host? Welcome to Mike North's world. From the moment WSCR went on the air on January 2nd, 1992, North became the face of the station and a voice to be reckoned with in more ways than one. His ear-splitting exuberance led to controversies, listenership, and a career full of ups and downs. Now in his late 60s, North is still making noise. What did you expect? So, Mike North, tell me a story I don't know. Well, George, I think most of the stories, and thanks for having me on, uh, I think most of the stories you know, uh, but most of the stories that you know, people don't know because a lot of those stories have been swept under the rug, just like a lot of things get swept under the rug that happened years ago. Um, for instance, people uh, who have cell phones probably think they, you know, they think this country was invented after 1990. So uh, when you're younger, there's a lot of things you don't know. But the one thing I'd like to always say that it's going to be 30 years of WSCR where so many wonderful memories, so many wonderful people, so many ups and downs, as you say, so many people thinking we weren't going to make it, so many people doubting the partners that were put together on a three-show station that went down at sundown and i think it's the reason we were on not the idea 
The idea is well known by many, but not by many. Danny Lee was, in my opinion, one of the great radio men who will ever live in uh, Chicago or anywhere. Um, he owned WXRT. They used to come into my hot dog stand. Norm Weiner, Lynn Bramer, many wonderful people. Terry Hemmert, on air, off air. Robert Plant. They brought people back or around that were rock stars. Johnny Hyatt. People like that. And I got to tell you, Danny Lee came in one day and I said, hey, how are you? He goes, good. And I knew Danny okay. But I was doing a show called the NFL Handicap Show on WSBC. And with WSBC, it was a brokered uh, station that Danny Lee knew or had. And I brokered time, went on the air for 300 bucks an hour because I got a guy that you know, Tom Couch, to produce it for me. Mm -hmm. We did a show called the NFL Handicap Show. I started handicapping on radio in 1989. And then I got a guy uh, that you knew from the Sun-Times, uh, Dan Cahill. Yes. Solicited. And I started getting an audience. And I basically got the idea of a sports station when I started seeing that Danny Lee was going to basically start a jazz or country station. It was in Rob Peter's article column. He comes in one day and I said, hey, why are you doing that? And he said, what? He says, well, you, I heard you bought WJZZ, that you're going to go jazz or country. He goes, yeah. I go, why don't you start a sports station? And he looked at me and he says, why would I do that? I says, because there's about 12 markets that have it or right now, New York, the fan, uh, California, San Diego, uh, Philadelphia. I said, but you we need one here. He says, Dad, it's all right. We started talking a little bit about everything else. He orders his food. He goes out. I chase him out. <laughs> it's raining, raining, pouring. BB's going, we got a line here. I go, I got to talk to this guy one more time. He's got the window down. Seth Mason, who was a great, great radio guy. Yes. They're both gone now, who I love very much, both of them, was sitting shotgun. I go, you guys got to start a sports station. Start a sports station. That's all I said. Don't be ridiculous. They roll the window up on me and drive off. I'm, <laughs> I'm soaked now. That weekend, Danny Lee goes home on the Friday night. He's supposed to meet Monday with the new format, whether it's going to be cool country or jazz. He goes to the convenient and he buys what Murph used to call the bulldog edition of the paper, the Sunday yeah, paper. Sure. He buys the Tribune. Now, he told me this in a three-hour interview that we're going to use for a future project. The only thing I regret is he didn't want it taped, but we had witnesses, including a screenwriter, Jeremy Morrison. So this was the first time I heard this. He says, you gave me the idea. I go, yeah, but why did you decide? And he said, I bought the Sunday Tribune the Sunday sometimes. I went to the entertainment section. There was three, four prevalent ads. He says, I went to the sports sections of the paper when they were this thick, George. 
when the Sun Times Sunday edition was bigger than the papers are now. Sports section. <laughs> That's true. He counted like 27, 30 ads, you know, little ads, big ads, my all things associated with at that time, male dominated people reading the, the sports section. He was already thinking money. Absolutely. That Monday morning, the understanding that he told us was they met in the conference room that they had at WXRT. Everybody that works there knows it. It was just a regular place. You know, it wasn't nothing fancy. And uh, with Norm Weiner, Harvey Wells, Seth Mason, other people. And they said, what are we going to do? And he said, we're going to start a sports station. Good morning, everybody, and good sports to you, and welcome to an historic day in Chicago broadcasting history. The Score, Sports Radio 820, WSCR, is the first ever all-sports radio station in Chicago. They went nuts, from what I understand. Remember, I was told this. And they said, you're going to listen to that goofy hot dog guy? You know, we don't know anything about sports. And you know what he said? We better learn. And he went on to start the greatest sports station ever put together. You know, this is a story that I don't know. And what's mm -hmm. interesting about all of it is, think about this for a minute, Mike. You were mm -hmm. doing an NFL handicap show in 1989. Mm -hmm. It's about yeah. gambling. Think right. about what you're doing today in a world yep. that's changed so dramatically. You're doing an NFL, well, not an NFL, but you're doing a gambling show now on WMVP. Mm -hmm. What comes yes. around goes around. I don't know if he'll be able to, like in a regular season, run his way to glory. He's going to have to pass, and I'm still out uh, with the jury on that one, Carm. Yeah, I mean, look at the playoff. We've seen uh, what's happened to the Ravens oh, absolutely. in the last couple of years, too. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's And I love, the, I love him, but yeah, there are nights like so last night. you go, hmm. Yeah, well, I and, love Brady for the MVP from the beginning. Uh, uh, you know what? He's, he's the odds-on favorite. Yeah, ESPN 1000, where... Um, believe me when I tell you this, I thought in 1989 that gam gambling and wagering talk or handicapping talk, whichever way you want to do it, George, should start taking hold. But it was never legal. Okay, but I always knew there was an audience because I had been gambling since I was 14. Hell, I remember on sports phone. So I, that was 1978. Right. Oh. Who, do you, who do you think called 976-1313? They were all Everybody. gamblers. Wes Grobstein for Sportsmo with the answer to our quickie quiz. We wanted to know who had the most Cub homers in Atlanta. Right. And I found it amazing that, uh, well, I don't because I know who runs things. And they're not regular guys uh, like they used to. Danny Lee was a regular guy. He went to Sullivan High School. And, and, and that's the amazing thing. He believed in me. He believed in me. And I, a high school dropout couldn't even get a job in radio now. Um, so he knew I went to send. He knew they needed a street guy. He knew. And the amazing thing is, it was Ron Gleason's wife, Linda, who heard me. That's what, that? when, I had a re, when I had a reunion of people that were important to me and BB. We had you there and others at Gibson's. She was there. Because he was playing tape of, of and, and he says, you hear anything? She goes, no, no, no. Then she played something from me or he played. So he didn't say anything. She goes, who's that? And she goes, 
He's the guy. Linda Gleason. God bless you. So it's been a, a, a wonderful 30 years. I'm on with Carmen DeFalco now, who's just a tremendous host, but the radio business has changed. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad uh, I was there at the beginning. And there's not many guys that are around on terrestrial radio now. And if you ask me, I mean, it took about nine months for the SPN deal uh, to be consummated because they had to check everything about me. Okay. And uh, they did. And everything that they maybe have heard wasn't true. And maybe some things they hadn't heard was true, but then the money and everything, it took about nine months, but it's going great. And as we talk about the present, you also have a podcast like I do. Absolutely. Uh, on the bar room. Radio is scripted now. We just come up with it. We don't use computers. We don't rehearse. We're going to talk about this next. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Bulls. And then we're going to have Brad Bixon. And then we're going to have all this. No. No. If you don't know what you're going to talk about in the top of your head before a show, you shouldn't be in the business. Old school, baby. You're listening to the Mike North Advantage, and it begins right now. Uh, I, I was approached by, well, not really. I called Aldo Gandia, who's now a real good friend of mine. And uh, he offered me a minority stake. Won't say what it is in this. And we got like, uh, we started out with, uh, well, he has been working it forever. But when I joined, uh, we had 4,995 people. But it's a, it's, it was called Bears Bar Room then. It's called Bar Room Now. And there's so many great shows on there. Check it out. We got 12,600 people on Twitter alone, let alone YouTube and everything else. So it's sort of like getting to uh, be, uh, you know, I don't, I don't meddle much in anything except with the show that I do. And we're doing real well with that. So it's a lot of fun. You got more independence. Would you like to save money? <laughs> Who wouldn't? How about saving money on your real estate taxes? I have and did so thanks to Serenal Law Group, accomplished professionals ready to put money back in your pocket. All Chicago properties were reassessed by the Cook County Assessor's Office, and some of you got eye-opening increases. Serenal Law Group has the ability to lower that. The deadline to file your 2021 appeal is 30 days after your township opens for appeals at the Board of Review, so don't waste a minute contacting Serenal Law Group so you you can save. There are no fees, so you don't have to pay a dime unless they save you money. And take it from me, they've saved me thousands. And they do it in a professional and friendly manner that makes your life a whole lot easier. Serenow Law Group handles appeals throughout the greater Chicagoland area from residential, commercial, or industrial property. They're ready to fight on your behalf, so you don't pay more than your fair share. Visit their website, serenow.com, that's S-A-R-A-N-O-W, or call them at 312-373-0015. Mention promo code OFFMAN, that's O-F-M-A-N, to get a discounted fee on your 2021 property tax appeal. Contact Serenow Law Group, S-A-R-A-N-O-W, and start saving. The easiest way to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is to follow me on social media at George Offman. That's O-F-M-A-N, just one F, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. We return with Mike North on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Let's go back in time. Okay. Why a hot dog stand? Why did you decide to open one in an industry, even then, better known 
more for failures than successes. And let me remind everyone, it was called BB's, the name of your wife and longtime partner. Right. And also let me remind you and our listeners, this podcast is being sponsored by Vienna Beef. God bless, because Vienna Beef, God, I, I did a lot of things with them um, because I always promoted the heck out of them. And uh, I like Jim Bodman. I think that Vienna Beef is, uh, I mean, an institution now. They got some good people over there. I had so many great associations, George. And, you know, when you think of Vienna Beef, what do you think of Chicago? And I just like to factor in the bullpen. I mean, they were once a mom-pop type of right. operation. You know, right. you know what I mean? So, I mean, Gibson's. I remember going to bringing up Gibson's on the air. You could shoot a cannon through the place when I first started going in there. And then I used to talk about it all the time on the radio, you know? And now you can't um, get so, in. Right. So <laughs> I just think that the score was the second strongest franchise uh, in Chicago in the nineties after the Bulls. I, oh. I don't think they'll, I don't think there's anything comparable to that. We changed the way business was done in the media. Uh, the way teams did business, they were held accountable, which had never been like that before. We were not a one show pony, like in my opinion, WFAN. We had a comparable guy in Tom Scheer. We had uh, Jiggets and North and McNeils and McNeil and Boris, but it was also the background hirings, uh, the Judd Surratt's, the Jesse Rogers, mm -hmm. the George Offmans. I mean, Mike Greenberg. It's I mean, nice. I was on Fox for three years on the morning show and I was going up against Greenman. So Danny Lee, and when I think of a guy that invested his money, and he had the apparatus, you know, I used to listen to Steve Dahl when I tossed garbage for the Park District. I used to pick paper. I mean, rake leaves during the fall. Uh, I told BB, I said, B, I came home one day. I said, I really screwed myself. I really did. I said, I'm not going to be anything. I told her that. And she said, what are you talking about? I go, I mean, I'm going to pick paper in the park. I said, it's 1982. I'm picking paper in Grant Park today because the Pope was here. Because the Pope was here. I clean up after the guy. That's my, that's my future. That's our future. Bibi says, honey, we can change that. And she goes, look, I go, well, what do you want to do? She goes, you know what? We should open a hot dog stand. Well, I said, I don't know anything about it. I go, and you went to school to Loyola and Mundelein. You were, you know, in the upper percentage of your class. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You, she actually took nutrition in college. And she tells me, let's open a hot dog stand. Now we had, <laughs> right. We had both worked. I worked at Jack in the Box, for God's sake, back as a kid. And other places, I used to deliver groceries. I did all this stuff. She says, we can do this. And we ended up having uh, a hot dog stand and we used to buy and sell them, buy them for like meager prices, bankruptcy sales, the first two places, and then sell them three years later if we built them up for money, a lot of money. Bought our first place, this is unbelievable, was bankruptcy, five grand, sold it for 40 grand two years later. That oh, was big money in the 70s. Sure it was. And we did that, then we travel. But then we found this other place, BB's, and all of a sudden, people started coming from all over. Police Department, Albany Park. I love all you guys. Bingo Hall across the street. Shures High School down the street. WXRT, uh, not far. It's just every word of mouth. And we 
We just had a wonderful place. And I used to mop the floor at night and listen to Chet Coppock. I go, listen to this guy, Chet Coppock. He was just bum-rapping this guy. As you recall, you know, my show was four hours a day, Coppock with a guest, Coppock with a guest, right. Coppock with a guest, flying solo. Mm -hmm. By the time I left to go to New York, and you were the first guy mm -hmm. who really was perceptive enough to recognize mm -hmm. that I, I was desperately in need of a change, mm -hmm. that the show had gotten um, somewhat lethargic. I said, uh, you know what? I want to get into sports radio, or I want to get into uh, doing a sports show. And she goes, well, how are you going to do that? <laughs> well, Norm Weiner and Lynn Bramer came in the next week. They're still, Norm's uh, I, I, I'm still doing well. Lynn Bramer still yeah, at WXRT. Yeah. Right. Well, to this day, Lynn says it's the most awesome thing he's ever seen happen. I said to them, hey, I just read in theater, because, you know, Ron Gleason used to say, nobody reads theater but people in the industry, which he was so wrong about back in the day, because the big, big chats were the media people, Joan Esposito, the anchors, and everybody else. And I said, uh, I heard Bob Birdie's not going to be on Athlete's Feet next week. And I said, can I host it? And they just looked at me and they said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> nobody knows who you are, blah, 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 which was the truth. I go, well, who's hosting it? He goes, they go, Tom Pachor. I go, I can do it like Tom Pachor. They go, nobody knows who you are. I go, well, how does somebody get to know who I am? What do I got to do? They go, well, you have no educational background. You're not going to go to college. The only thing I could suggest, these guys told me this is brokering time. So then I brokered the time for 200, 200 bucks an hour. Now you can just podcast something for free. And then I, I sold the advertising for 50 bucks for 30 seconds, 100 bucks for a minute. I was pulling in like a thousand, you know, from all my advertisers that came in. Midas Muffler down the street, Earl Scheib, you know, I mean, uh, just different places. J.P. Simmons Corporation. I remember them like it's yesterday, you know. So I decided to broker the time. And the show, the story I was telling you in 1982, okay, from brokering that time and listening to Lynn Bramer and Norm Weiner. I picked paper for the Pope in 1982. And in 1992 with Ron Gleason, I hosted the Bulls celebration from Grant Park. The yeah. very spot I was picking the paper in. And I remember that because I was in a helicopter. Uh, well, we were, we were trying to report, but the microphone didn't work. You know, th there is something, Mike, about being different. A lot of people really admire and some don't, and you're yeah. one of those people. Then again, yeah. as you mentioned, so was the score radio. Some called you a loudmouth. Some said you were rude. Yeah. Sometimes downright embarrassing. Others, others simply loved the way you spoke. In other words, you were their voice. You were that high octane personality that translated with a common man because you are the common man. It worked, and I wonder if it surprised you that it worked. Oh, yeah. I think it surprised everybody. I think, like I said, I think Lynn, Lynn told me one time, I, my mother doesn't believe it happened. I mean, uh, I told my dad, this is a great story. My dad says, uh, I told him I was going on the radio. My dad had no comprehension. He's an electrician, you know, went to work, worked 14 hours a day. He goes, you're going to go on the radio. What do you mean you're going on the radio? This new, new sports station. I was supposed to only get like a, they wanted, they offered me weekends. I wasn't big on that, but then somebody dropped out and I'm going to be ending up doing this thing. Okay. 
My dad comes home one day, he goes, why am I getting free stuff at the hardware store? Okay. And they're telling me I'm your son. I said, dad, listen, I'm on the radio. Here's the articles. My mom, it didn't, she, she goes, how's this happening? You know, but it finally hit him. There's a Ditka show. It was the first Ditka show that I was hosting. What we did back then was we rotated hosts, if you remember, George. Oh, yeah. And I said, listen, I want you guys to come to my first Ditka show. Me and Mike Ditka. And my dad goes, all right, where's it at? I go, Cumberland. Cumberland O'Hare. He had a restaurant there. That's where we did the shows. from. George used to stay at the studio, I remember. Yeah. And so they go to the show. <laughs> it's packed. So my dad orders a drink. My mom's just sitting at a table of 10. My mom goes, wow, this is impressive. This is this station is something. She goes, and look at all these people that are here to see Mike Ditka. And the guy at the table said, lady, we're not here to see Ditka. We're here to see Mike North, the new guy. <laughs> and my old man looked at him and she goes, well, we're his parents. The next thing you know, my dad, everything, they're buying drinks. That's exactly what happened. You know, and, I, I, um, I have I have to tell you a story. I'm sure you remember. I know your your dad passed away, I think, early right. in the 95. Uh, yeah. yeah. 96. Yeah. So so I went to the wake, and this was, I'm pretty sure the first time I had gone to a non-Jewish funeral. Right. So I had never seen an open casket. And here's <laughs> here's Mike. He's looking, you're looking at your dad, and you go, look at him, look at him. And I'm looking yep. at him. And I'm saying to myself, geez, he's dead. What are we looking at? <laughs> yeah, the Catholics, I got that little thing going. Cremation, <laughs> seems, cremation seems to be the flavor of the day lately. But uh, back in the day, the, the Italians, for instance, my Italian uh, grandmother, they laid him out for three days. Oh my God. You know, the people just uh, be in agony for three days, wearing black, you know, and everything else. So they, it's changed quite a bit since even then. When the score began, your mother, your parents, we knew everybody. I Betsy, how's Betsy? Me and B knew everybody. Yes. We got, we loved everybody. We we have no animosity <laughs> towards anybody. Hey, everybody has their ups. Everybody has their downs. What I appreciate is that the score is going to have its thirtieth year. And when I drive down the street and I hear the Cubs, I go, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. On that station, I go, "Are you kidding me?" We were given six months, six months. So it's beautiful. Did you know General Motors 2021 Supplier of the Year is located in Hinsdale, Illinois? Dynamic Manufacturing not only remanufactures transmissions for the likes of GM, but also has a state-of-the-art facility. Its capabilities include engineering a new and existing product along with manufacturing, machining, logistics, and re-energizing used batteries for electric cars and energy storage systems. I've seen their operation firsthand, and their nearly 1 million square feet of operating space is extremely impressive. Dynamic was founded by the late great John Partipillo in 1955 and is still family owned and operated by the next generation. For more information about Dynamic Manufacturing, visit their website at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. Dynamic Manufacturing, honor the legacy, pioneer the future. You were paired originally with, with Dan Jiggetts, yeah. which was a very interesting pairing because here you are, you are a, you're a high school dropout paired with right. a guy who is a, a former Chicago Bear. He is a Harvard grad. 
it's like opposites attract. When did you know that things were working out? And I have to believe it had to be pretty nerve wracking at the beginning. It wasn't really. I'll tell you what happened. No kidding. I'll tell you what was nerve wracking was, you know, just being ready the first day, January 2nd. But um, Jigs, what they did was I had my show that broker time and Seth Mason. I don't think you know this story. Seth Mason and Danny Lee worked it out and they asked Dan if he'd like to come in and do a radio show with me. Hmm. They brought Dan in at WXRT. We recorded. I didn't have to record across the street where it used to be, uh, 1240. They brought me into the studio at XRT with Dan undercover. And they had me and Dan do the NFL handicap show. They liked what they heard from what I understand. And they basically told me at the time, we're going to give you this much money. You got six months to prove yourself. Six months. I said, that's fine with me. What did Jiggins think? He was great. Dan was great. Because Dan, I think, was at CBS. I think Dan wasn't completely happy there. I think Dan had done, he's such a pioneer in everything, national TV, boxing. This was an opportunity for him to be on every day. And Dan, you know, was a moneymaker. Dan was a businessman. And uh, I think, you know, Danny Lee did tell me that uh, the thing that was good about me is I didn't have an agent. Danny didn't usually, Lee had never dealt with agents till he had the sports station. I mean, the XRT people didn't have agents uh, from what I understand at that time. Uh, so Danny Lee had to encounter agents uh, of the other personalities. And, and with me, uh, Danny just, if he had a situation with me, then he would just come and ask me. You know, and maybe sometimes I'd ask BB a lot of times, and then it would be me and BB making the decision. All right, so you got you get six months. Yeah. When, when did you know it was going to work? Was there a was there a moment, an interview, a show, a guest that convinced you? Well, McCaskey, that- April, McCaskey, he came on, and I said, "Listen, I I think this guy's an idiot." Before he came on, I go, "Are you serious? Is he on?" And they said, "He's on," and I said. To Jiggs, I think at the time, I go, this is unbelievable. And Jiggs said, yeah, you know, Jiggs was cool. Jiggs was uh, one of the best straight men in the business, if not the best, but also good at bits, very underrated, and good at letting me, if Dan had, sometimes, you know, everybody thinks me and Dan disagreed all the time. No, we agreed about 75 to 80% of the time. The 20% of the time was beautiful. Because there's, there should be disagreement on radio shows and there isn't that much of it anymore. And uh, Dan basically did his thing and I just went after the guy, man. I said, you know, you're, you're a clown, you're this, you're that. And the next day, wow, it's on TV. It's being, because we didn't have Twitter or social media or anything right. like that. So we had to rely on the very medium we were helping at that time to destroy the uh, newspaper TV and uh, business as far as sports was concerned, which I think we were the beginning of the change uh, of the way that sports is covered in Chicago. Uh, TV anchors or sports anchors were no longer as relevant. Uh, so when McCaskey came on and the fan, everybody heard on two or five or seven, when we only had that many stations or stuff, 
they said, we got to tune this thing in. And that's what ended up happening. So I think that was big. I think that was big, not only for me, but for the station. Well, here's another one that was an eye-opener for me as well. When you interviewed former White Sox manager Al Lopez, who, of course, at that point was was the last manager to take the White Sox to a World Series in 1959. You lit into him in a way I couldn't even comprehend. What possessed you to do that? And how was that perceived by the management and public? Well, first of all, the White Sox management has had a love-hate relationship with me since I was a kid, okay? Uh, but you but are really, a devout, uh, the people, if, if you don't know this by now, Mike is a devout White Sox fan. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, I just think that uh, they were forced to do a lot of things, for instance, that they didn't want to do in the 90s because of pressure, not only from me, but by, from other people at the score. Uh, but they always have held me. I know Jerry runs so very well. We have a healthy relationship. May I interrupt for you just for a second? Because, yeah. There are people who wouldn't come on the station, but you had a relationship with Jerry Reinsdorf. Yeah. Jerry was bold. He liked you and he came on. He came on. He told me one day we've, we've met for lunch. I know I'm a pain in his ass sometimes. And I know I've, I've crossed him some things. I, I think he to this day holds me responsible for things like Walt Reniak being fired, Rob Gallus, other people. I know that they, they basically do. I think that, uh, you know, that's just the way I was. And El Lopez, my idol was Nellie Fox growing up. And I heard the one guy that voted against him, that if he voted for him, he makes the Hall of Fame in the usual fashion where you don't have to go to the Veterans Club or whatever. Right. And he came on. I go, how do you go to the World Series with the MVP of baseball? The man who had as many hits as DiMaggio in the 90s. The man who struck out hardly not at all. The man who was part of the go-go part of the White Sox. How do you vote against him? How does a guy like you walk around and vote against Nellie Fox? If you manage the guy, why didn't you like him? I, and then the whole thing blew up. I got the chance to fight it out with people that I read about and knew about. But that wouldn't have happened on BBM. That didn't happen on Rich King. See, there was an opening for the score, okay? I look at the score, and then I look at Barstool now, okay, as far as podcasting goes. Mm -hmm. We were the terrestrial giant of sports radio in a limited format. They're beating actual stations up because they have a guy that believes that, you know what, he's been slighted. He wants to be heard, and he's built this empire and he keeps being cutting edge. I think that's what people want to hear. And they don't hear that anymore, George. I mean, I hear the, the Trubisky argument that he was a bust. And I look at his stats and I go, why are, is everybody believing this narrative? Because well, that's a narrative that's put out. It's my feeling. If the score is like it was in the 90s, we find out about the Blackhawk thing if it's going on. That's, and we had no ties to anything. That's my opinion. Because I get DMs. I did a podcast on the whole thing with them. I'm getting DMs from people that actually work in the media saying, great job on this. They don't come out in the regular media. They're telling me on my DM because they don't want to be associated with that because somebody will hold a grudge. So, so things get swept under the rug. As you know, now we're playing hockey again. 
and the things don't last. The Aaron Rodgers thing, they used to last a little bit with the score because you had three shows, nobody had an agenda. You just went at what you saw and then you tried. We tried to break stories back then. You did a great job. Vienna beef, two words synonymous with hot dogs. They're the home of the Chicago hot dog and an institution since 1893. If you've had a hot dog, chances are it was from Vienna. And did you know there are more locations selling Vienna in Chicago than McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's combined? There's nothing like biting into a juicy and delicious pure beef Vienna hot dog. Drag through the garden, which includes yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and some celery salt. And oh, those Polish sausages dripping with flavor. And look for the spicy smoked sausage available in your local retail stores. It includes a perfect blend of seasonings such as crushed red peppers and brown sugar, creating a bold and zesty taste. Vienna products are available in restaurants, grocery stores, and entertainment venues such as the ballparks, cups, and socks, stadiums, museums, and zoos. Plus, you can purchase them online, coast to coast at ViennaBeef.com and on Amazon. And remember, Vienna is not just hot dogs and sausages. Look for their farm makers' chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was weaned on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Check them out at ViennaBeef.com. You mentioned uh, Al Lopez. Here's yeah. another celebrated run-in with a White Sox manager back in 2008. <laughs> and this was Ozzie Guillen. And let's let's remember, it was X-rated. Hey, listen. I'm tired you guys that bullshit every goddamn day. Hey, Ozzie, clean up your mouth, all right? Okay, I, I clean up your day. Hey, clean up your hey, Clean up your damn mouth when you're talking on the radio and you're talking to me. Have a little respect, all right? Don't go talking to me like you're talking down to somebody. You understand me? You're a good friend of mine. Uh, you're a good friend of mine. Let me tell you something. You're a good friend of mine, too. But don't talk down to me. You understand? You ain't talking to one of your players. Wait, wait, wait. You know what? You better why, clean it up. You, wait. I know you're a good friend with this guy. You don't have to talk. I don't know. I'm a good friend of yours, too. So you talk to me with some respect. Okay, you don't talk do down that. to me. You understand? Okay, I, okay, I will do that. But Let me tell you about Ozzy. Ozzy Gian, I'm happy for what he's doing. I think that uh, he should be managing probably in baseball. Uh, but that day he was out of line. He, could, he, he risked the license uh, and everything else. But the thing I loved about him, and I think that's what I'll always respect about him, you know, is that uh, he came on and he confronted me on it. Um, and I said that we were doing it from uh, High Tops, which was a place right kitty corner of a Wrigley Field. It was a bar. Right. right. And uh, Bob Brenly was with me at the time, having a heart attack over there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Listening to this whole thing, people are are just out of their minds. Just listening to this, it 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 really was. That was another moment. If it, that was played on all over the place, uh, Howard Stern, uh, Entertainment Tonight, a lot of different places. If there was social media then, like now, that thing would have gone viral like nobody's business. Oh, there's no question. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. And I, and then I went to uh, right across the street and went down in the locker room. And some people we know who are basically cowards in life uh, hit um, that were covering the Cubs because they heard it and they thought there was going to be a ruckus. Now, Ozzy and I hugged and that was the end of it. But I oh. went down there to confront them and it was great. The, bo- the bottom line is I was the new guy. And, and that was a good thing. And, and, and you know what? I think because of my vision and because of Danny Lee's genius of, of, of taking that risk 
I think that everybody should just uh, slow down on everybody because everybody had an agenda over there at one time or another. Poor me, poor this, poor mm-hmm. that. Everybody had an agenda. What I remember the score from is the little engine that could. That's what I've always called it. And people thought we were going to die. And there's nothing I loved better in my whole life. I surprised everybody because nobody could believe that because of my educational background that I could stand toe-to-toe with them. And as as everybody saw, I not only stood toe-to-toe with them, I became, uh, I mean, if I heard that this guy's a franchise, I hear program directors saying this guy's a franchise player, that guy's a franchise player. I was a franchise player. Okay. And you know what? It wasn't always fun being the franchise player and, right. uh, and people took shots. It wasn't fun, but I was strong enough to handle it because I knew at the end, it was good for everybody. You mentioned your relationship with Jerry Reinsdorf. You also had yes. a pretty good relationship with another guy who Jerry Reinsdorf employed, Michael Jordan. And that happened early on. Yeah. I think the Sarasota thing sort of opened things up for me. I told station, we got to go to Sarasota. They go, we're sending reporters. I go, no, 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 no. I go, this is Michael Jordan playing baseball. You got to send the shows. Now, I don't know. I think we were the only show that ended up going, but we sent some other people. I do remember this because um, I went to Mesa for the Cubs and Mike Greenberg, who was hired on the same day I was, five days before we went on the air, that assignment of him covering Michael Jordan, I think really opened the door for him too. The day we get down there, his first day, there must have been 200 reporters. Um, Ted Koppel hosted Nightline from the ballpark. It, it was one of the biggest stories. It was jam-packed, mobbed. Within two or three days, there was the Chicago Sun-Times, the Chicago Tribune, the Daily Herald, and me. And that was it. And so what happens is we get the promise that we're going to interview him. Now, you got to remember. Uh, we were hard on Jordan sometimes, too, at the score. So Jordan knew of my criticisms of not only him, but Scottie Pippen, which I still hold true to this day. So he plays the game. We're told to wait in the lunchroom at the old Sarasota complex, me and Jigs. Mm-hmm. I think Jesse was there, Rogers. Here comes Michael Jordan in a baseball uniform. It's the most surreal thing I've ever seen. <laughs> the six-foot-six dude in, a, in the black in the black jersey, the yeah. nice one with the white socks uh, logo, and then, and, and then the pinstripes. Yeah. He sits down. We're at a commercial. I go, what's going on? He goes, good, man. What's going on? And I go, what are you, crazy? Once we went on, I go, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why aren't you playing basketball? I'm hearing all sorts of things, but come on. I go, you're going to actually think that. He goes, why are you always so why are you always so competitive at every question you ask? Asking me why I'm competitive. <laughs> From there on, I knew, okay, he knows who he's dealing with. The monsters. He knows because they all listen. Rodman listened every day later on. Told me that personally. So I had to confront him on this. The reasons we heard, I understand. But to me, I said, you know, like we brought up my father. I went to work the next day. I understand it's tough. And I understand the pressures of carrying something at times. I do. He carried everything. He carried the league, carried everything. He had to patch things up. I understand he was burnt out. But I had to ask him anyway, and it was great. And then I ended up going to his 35 and over camp. And he wouldn't even give me a break. 
and I publicized it. <laughs> and we became friends. We played blackjack together, took pictures together. I beat him in free throws, five to four. He owes me a hundred bucks still. He's a, <laughs> he's a cheap bastard, but I love him. He made he made our job. He made our job so easy back in the in the nineties. He, I never dreamt he was this good. I watched him at North Carolina. I knew he was good, but I never and nobody did. You know, everybody says Gail Sayers sprung on the scene. So did this guy. The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! They win it! Set the Cleveland Cavaliers. Michael Jordan hits it at the foul line. One to 100. Nobody knew he was going to be this. We said, I went through Chamberlain in my life, Jabbar. If you ask me, it's Walton, Merovich. If you ask me, did I think Michael Jordan was going to be the iconic man that he is? Absolutely not. My thanks to WSCR The Score, ESPN 1000, WGN-TV, The Late and Great Sports Phone, North by North, and the Mike North Advantage. And as always, a big thanks to TJ Rees for putting this podcast on the map, Will Hatzel for his fine mixing and editing, and Nick Tochi for our great graphics. And to our generous sponsors, Saranal Law Group, top-notch pros who will save you money on your real estate taxes, Dynamic Manufacturing, Honor the Legacy, Pioneer the Future, by the Vienna Beef Company, home of the iconic Chicago hot dog since 1893, by Rawl Jewelers, top jewelers in the Northwest suburbs, walk in as a customer, leave as a friend, and the Polina Market, top purveyors of the finest meats in the Chicagoland area, and much more. Tune in next week for part two with Mike North on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Offen, and that's all she wrote. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.